0: take this day to say thank you Lord God for the many blessings that you have brought our way you have been good even in our worst moments Lord God we still have something to give you praise for and I pray Lord God that your spirit will be here to help us to find encouragement today no matter what we are going through Lord God or what we are feeling to our hearts, Lord God, and give us peace. We acknowledge Jesus as Lord and dedicate this service to him. We ask it in his name we pray. If you agree, say amen amen and amen. While you're standing, take out your Bibles if you would. Open them to Job chapter 1. Familiar book, Job, chapter one. I want you to read verses twenty through twenty-two. Job, chapter one, verses twenty through twenty-two, and it reads: I believe this is a King James here, but it reads, "Then Job arose and rent." his mantle, and shaved his head, and fell down upon the ground, and worshiped. And he said, Naked came I out of my mother's womb, and naked shall I return there. The Lord gave, and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In verse 22, and in all this, Job sinned not, nor charged God foolishly. Let us recite our Declaration of Transformation, and we're going to get started this morning. Let us read, today I will be transformed by the power of God's word. It defines me, empowers me, and enriches me as I apply it to every area of my life. My mind is open, my heart is receptive, and I surrender my will to the Holy Spirit's control. I will never be the same in Jesus' name. Before you take your seat, I just want to tell you, I want to talk to you this morning from the title, God of a Thankless Situation. Look at your neighbor, give them a hug. As you take your seat, tell them good morning, Welcome them, if you would. Morning, my brother, I love you, man. Hey, Amen, good morning. Good morning, good morning. No. Good morning. Good morning. Good morning. Let me begin by saying happy Thanksgiving to everyone. Happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. I pray that um, everyone had a joyous holiday. And had the opportunity to spend it with people that you love, your family and your friends, and uh, that you didn't go out and spend too much money. The amens went down. Somebody looked away from me. Thanksgiving is an occasion to where we get together and give God thanks for all the things that he has done in our lives throughout the year and when I think about all the things that God has done for me and my family throughout this year I can't help but give him thanks. My wife and I this year have literally traveled around the world preaching the gospel and all I can do is say thank you. I was able to finish my first master's degree <laughs> and get that out the way, <laughs> and I have to give God thanks. My wife is releasing her first national book, released in January of next year. It's going to be in Amazon and Target and Walmart and... Barnes and Nobles and, and everywhere. God has been good. I say thank you to God. Not only that, she has a second book coming out in the same year, which is really unheard of for someone who's not, you know, like a sports athlete, you know, something like that. God has been good to our family. He has shown up and showed out in our situation. And I imagine that many of you here in the audience have some things to be thankful for as well. And that God has been good to you. He's, he showed up and showed out in your life too. I saw some of y'all driving some new cars out there this year. I know some of y'all got some new houses that I've been. Some of y'all not let me get in a couple of them. Some of you have been blessed with a new companion, a new spouse, or a new, new lover in your life. Uh, some of you have, God has been really good to you. He's, he's clothed you in your right mind. Uh, everybody got something to thank God for. He's, he's given you eyes to see. He's, he's given you ears to hear. He's, or They say that he's given you legs to walk and a, and a mouth to talk. Uh, Your body is feeling good. Uh, Somebody can say thank you this morning. Uh, God is giving you money in your pocket. Um, Your family is acting right. Your kids are going to school. Uh, if If you think about it, you got many things to thank God for. And I know that many of you in here, you have seen God move in your life But I know that it's easy to give God thanks when everything is going your way. But I know for some of you in here, it's been a struggle to give God thanks this year. The truth of the matter is, if you would speak honestly, you have not seen God show out and show up in your life this year. You have been praying to God, and it seems like every time you pray, God is M I A, missing in action. You have been praying for things, and it seems like God is just not answering. You are still single and lonely. The amens that went down. God has not given you the house that you've been praying for. You're broke, and you're frustrated. Some of this year has faced some health challenges that we've never faced before in our life that were unplanned, and God allowed some things to occur this year, and everything is not feeling good. The children are acting up. They're not doing what they're supposed to do. I'm getting behind on my bills. And, and this year I've been struggling. I know some of you have some things that you've been struggling with. You, you don't necessarily have the shout or the thank God or the amen in my spirit. And what I've come to tell you is I know sometimes it gets even hard when you're going through difficult times like that and you're struggling and you're doing your best to please God and you don't know why these things keep happening to you some of these things I know some of you here this morning all the hearts aren't joyful some of you are serving God and giving him your best and it seems like the more you do the more you sing the more you rejoice the more you give the more things that you do for God things don't seem to be changing and it's causing you to grow angry and frustrated and perhaps some of you are even bitter here this morning you have no thanks within you and if the truth of the matter was really said if you really could speak what was on your heart this morning you might say pastor I don't feel like thanksgiving this year. Truth of the matter is, if it wasn't for the grace of God, I didn't even feel like coming to church this morning. It seems as if all hell is breaking loose in my life right now. You are the people that I came to speak to this morning. How do we give God thanks when everything is going crazy and chaotic in my life? How can I remain thankful and give God praise even when everything around me is messing up and everything that I plan is not going according to plan? When things have gotten mixed up, how can I still be joyful and give God praise in the midst of my storm? That's what I want to talk to you about this morning. Look in your Bibles, I want us to learn from Job. Job teaches us some things about suffering. If you don't know anything about Job, he is really, the whole book is about Job's suffering and the things that he went through. And so I just want to go through this book and share some things with you who are going through these difficult times. Let me first introduce you to Job, for those of you who may not know him, beginning there in Job chapter one, verse one, it says, in the land of Uz, there lived a man whose name was Job. This man was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. He had seven sons and three daughters. He owned 7,000 sheep, 3,000 camel, 500 yoke of oxen, 500 donkeys, and had a large number of servants. Job, in fact, was a wealthy man. He had tremendous wealth and resources. Everything was going good for Job, it says. In fact, he was the greatest man of all the people of the East. Not only was he a man of great influence and wealth and power, the Bible says that he also was a good and wholesome father and looked after his children, was doing all the right things. Verse 4 says his sons used to hold feasts in their homes on their birthday, and they would invite their three sisters to eat and drink with them. And when a period of feasting had run its course, Job would make arrangements for them to be purified. It says early in the morning, he would sacrifice a burnt offering for each of them, thinking, perhaps my children have sinned and cursed God in their hearts. This was Job's regular practice. The Bible says that Job was a good and a wholesome man. He loved God. He shunned evil. He had tremendous wealth and resources. He prayed for his children. He was concerned about their well-being, and he was doing everything that he knew to do. Everything in Job's life was going good. He had money. He had wealth. His children was doing good. And some of you are like that here today. Everything right now is good. You can see clear because the rain is going. Everything is going good in your life. But how many know that things don't always stay that way? It's easy to praise God and shout and dance and have a a celebration when everything is going good. But what do you do when things change? Because the Bible says there in verse 13 that one day when Job's sons and daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house, a messenger came to Job and said, the oxen were plowing and the donkeys were grazing nearby and the Sabaeans attacked and made off with them. They put the servants to the sword. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still speaking, another messenger came and said, the fire of God fell from heaven and burned up the sheep and all the servants, Job, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And while he was still Speaking. Another messenger came and said, The Chaldeans formed three raiding parties and swept down on all your camels and made off with all of them. They put the servants to the sword, and I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. And verse 18 says, And while he was still speaking, this didn't happen on different days. It says, why he was still speaking, while it was still coming out of their mouths, yet another messenger came and said, Your sons and your daughters were feasting and drinking wine at the oldest brother's house. When suddenly a mighty wind swept in from the desert and struck the four corners of the house, it collapsed on them all and they all are dead. And I am the only one who has escaped to tell you. In the text, the Bible says that all hell is breaking loose In Job's life, everything is falling apart. And what really caught my attention is despite all of this drama, all of this craziness that was going on in his life was his response. If you look there in verse 20, I'm puzzled by his response. The Bible says that when all these things occurred in verse 20, that Job stood up, tore his robe in grief shaved his head and fell down to the ground and worshiped all hell is breaking loose in his life chaos is going wrong his children are going through stuff he's broke all of his money is gone and it says his first response was to fall down and worship i don't know how crazy that is for you But how many of you could all that stuff happen to you and the first thing you think of is, is to worship God? I mean, you lose all your money, all your houses, all your cars, and not only your cars, but you get a call that not one of your children, but every last one of your children have died. And the first thing you think of is, I need to go to church and worship. How many of you? could do that. Can I, can I be honest to you? As a pastor, I don't quite think that I'm there yet either. And the truth of the matter is, I don't really think none of y'all are there either as well. Because the truth of the matter is, you ain't got to lose a child. Some of you, if you just lose your job, you about to lose your mind. And the first thing that you're willing and ready to do is to start making accusations against God. But the Bible says in verse 21 or whichever one it was. But when all these things happened, Job did not speak foolishly out of his mouth, nor did he accuse God. So I began to get puzzled. What is it that would cause Job to go through all of that that he went through and have the decision or make the decision or something within him to decide rather than making accusations against God to worship God. And I believe the answer to the question is found there in verse 21. Job knew some things that allowed him to go through hell, but still be able to give God worship. If you look there in verse 21, notice what he says. He said, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. Three things that Job knew that I want to share with you this morning. Number one, Job says, Despite all of these things that happened to me, he says, naked, I came out of my mother's womb. In other words, when I came into this world, I didn't own anything. I came into this world naked. I didn't even have any clothes to put on. When you think about it, when a child is born into this world, does a child come up with a stock portfolio in his hand? You ever seen a baby born come out with, with cash dollar bills in his hand? No. Job is saying, when I came out of my mother's womb, I didn't have anything. When I came out, I didn't have any oxen. I didn't have any sheep. I didn't have any camels. In fact, I didn't even have any children when I came into this world. He says, number one, when I came, I didn't have anything, which leads to point number two. He says that everything that I had was given to me. He says everything that I have was given to me by God. Did you notice what he says? He says the Lord gave, maybe in your King James in the New Living, it says the Lord gave me what I had. In other words, everything that you and I have acquired in this life, you don't own. It's because God gave it to you. Watch this. Job understood that when you understand that it's easier to understand if you lose it. Job said everything that I have, God gave it to me. When you think about it, everything that Job was given, he didn't come out with it. God gave it to him. Okay, so the oxen, the sheep the camels, the donkeys, all of the wealth that he had, who gave Job those things? How did he get those things? God gave them to him. You know why? Because the Bible says in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, that it is God who gives you the power to get wealth. Watch this. Job understood that everything that I have, my cars, my house, everything that it is that I have, the only reason why I got it is because God gave it to me. Why did Job have 10 children? Because God blessed him and gave him 10 children. Why? Because Psalms 127 and 3 says, children are a heritage from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward from God. The children that you have. Listen, one of the first things my dad told me once I started having children was make sure that you don't begin to start taking ownership of your children. Amen. Because you'll begin to think that the children are yours. And if one day you lose them, you'll lose your mind because you're thinking that you lost something that was yours. When in actuality, the only reason why you got it is because God gave it to you. Amen. The wife that Job have. Why did Job have his wife? Proverbs 18 and 22 says, whosoever findeth a wife findeth a I knew the women would say a good thing. And it says, and obtaineth favor of the The reason why you got it is because God gave it to you. Your very health in your body. Do you know the reason why your body heals itself? All your health is from God. Do you know why I say that? Because Psalms 103, 2 and 3 says, bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquities, who heals all any health, any healing, everything that you have, the reason why you got it is because God gave it to you. Watch this. And the problem that many of us have is you begin to start taking ownership of something that's really not yours. That voice you have, Sandra, don't belong to you. Amen. Okay, all right. You, you know, the body that you have don't belong to you. The Bible says that God has bought it with a price. All the tremendous muscles on this frame, I have had to learn that they don't belong to me. They belong to God and then to my wife. Bless God. But the problem we run into is when you start taking ownership of what God says is yes. here. Yes. See? Amen. Okay, let me give you example. I need somebody right now. Somebody right now, give me sow $40 into my life right now. So jump up. Somebody give me $40. Come sow $40. Come put $40 in my hand and, and sow it into my life. Praise God. Look at this one right here. There we go. Look at this young man. Y'all give him a hand praise this morning. Look at him. Look at him. Hold up, hold up, hold up, hold up before you go. Let me ask you a question. Why did you be so quick to bring up and so this $40 in my life? Why did you do it? Because you asked for it. I asked for it. What else did I do? I told you to do it. Who gave you this money? Okay, go sit down. See, the reason why he was so quick to give me the money was because this, before the service began, I met with him and said, hey, I'm going to give you $40. At some point during the service, I'm going to ask you to give me back the money. Watch this. See, and what, what you understand is, see, it didn't bother him to give the money because it wasn't his in the first place. Amen. Right? And the problem is some of us are so tight-lipped on things that God has given to you, and it really don't belong to you in the first place. And when you begin to start losing something or God asks you to give it, anybody ever had some money in your pocket and God said, give that to that man right there? He said, oh, oh, Jesus, I just got this money right here. I can't, give, I can't give God everything. But what you have first, Job knew that everything that he had, he says, the Lord gave me everything that I have. Watch this. Which leads to the third point is Job understood that the same Lord who gave him everything that he had at times may take it away. Watch said, now I know the am- this is where all the amens go down right here. Is that the same Lord who gives you everything at times is the same Lord who may take things away from you. Why the amens now went down? See, we're all good with a God who's giving me everything and, and meeting all my needs and just giving me. I rub him like a genie when I need money and whatever it is that I need. The God our God, is so good and he gives me everything that I need and he gives me everything that I want. And everybody's happy with that. But nobody likes to know that the same God who gives you everything at some point, at some time in your life, may take some of the things that he gave away from you. Amen. And that's exactly what the scripture teaches us. In fact, look in your Bibles at verse six. Because God teaches us something there. I want you to see what it is. He shows us something there very powerful. In verse chapter six, he tells us, listen, he shows us now. See, you know, when God puts something in the Bible, he puts it in there for a reason, right? See, God could have left this out. He he could have done exactly what I did, which was talk about how good Job was, skip to verse 13 and talk about what happened to Job and move on in the story. But he took the time to say, I'm going to include verses 6 through 12 so that you know that there are things happening in the spirit world that is affecting you in the natural world. There are things that are occurring in the unseen world that is affecting what is happening happened to us every day. Look there in verse 6 and notice what it says. It says, now there was a day when the sun." this is before what happened to Job. Now there was a day when the sons of God came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came among them. And the Lord said to Satan, from where are you coming? So Satan answered and said to the Lord, from going to and from on the earth, and walking back and forth on it. Watch this. You know that Satan is always going around looking for somebody whom he can devour, right? So it says, then the Lord said to Satan, have you considered my servant Job, that there is none like him on the earth, a blameless and upright man One who fears God and shuns evil. Now, that may be a little interesting because many times when calamity happens to somebody, we automatically think it's because they did something wrong. But in this text, the Bible says that Job did nothing wrong at all, which goes to show that some of you, some of the chaos and things that are happening in your life doesn't mean that you did anything wrong. You may be exactly where God wants you to be. Watch what it says. So Satan answered the Lord and said, does Job fear God for nothing? Have you not made a hedge around him, around his household, around all that he has on every side? You have, you have, do you see that? You have blessed the works of his hands and his possessions have increased because of you. But now stretch out your hand and touch all that he has, and he will surely curse you to your face. Watch verse 12 now. And the Lord said to Satan, behold, all that he has is in your power. Here's a caveat. Only do not lay a hand on his person, on his body. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord. Four things that 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 passage right there teaches us. Number one is that we have a spiritual enemy. His name is Satan, and he seeks to destroy everything that we have. Number one. Number two, the only reason why Satan hadn't destroyed everything you have is because God has a hedge of protection around his people. The only reason why you got that house and why you not dying with AIDS, and why you not dead a long time ago, was because God had a hedge of protection around yourself. And it's not anything that you have done; it's because of God's grace in protecting you. Watch this. Number three is that Satan cannot attack God's people directly without getting permission first. Watch this. He 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 can't attack God's people directly. Unless he gets permission first. And then number four, when he is authorized or allowed to attack God's people, he can only do what God allows him to do. Watch this. Now, that's something to shout about, but it it opens up a can of worms because the Bible is teaching there that Satan can't do more than what God allows him to do. That means that God is in control and that nothing that happens to you happens to you without God knowing about it and authorizing it. Do do you understand that? Nothing can come to God's people without him knowing about it. And at some point he has to agree or authorize the person to do it. Right. The Bible says in Daniel chapter four, listen, that God is sovereign and nothing happens without him allowing it. Daniel four and thirty five says it this way. All the people of the earth are nothing compared to him. He does as he pleases among the angels of heaven and among the people of the earth. No one can stop him or say to him, what do you mean by doing these things? Watch this. So that means everything that happens, God has to authorize it before it can come to you. So the question that we have to ask ourselves and that I've been wrestling with all week long is why then does God allow bad things to happen to his people? In other words, if God has a hedge of protection around me that is protecting me from all the things that he don't want to get to me, Why then in the world did God allow the things that happened to me happen to me? Why did God allow me to lose my job? Why did God allow that man to break and hurt my heart? Why did God allow that accident to happen to me or allow that sickness to come upon my body? I mean, he could have left that hedge of protection up around me. Why did God allow this to happen to me when he could have just left the hedge of protection up? Now, let me try to answer that question in the best way that I can. Number one, the first thing that I will point out to you is that any pain or any suffering that you are experiencing was not caused or originated by God. Any suffering, whatever it is that you've gone through, that molestation, that rape, whatever it is, do not let anybody tell you that God was the originator of that. Because the Bible says in James 1 and 17 that every good and every perfect gift comes from God. So if it's not good and if it's not perfect, then it didn't come from God. The reason why you and I meet the circumstances that we meet is because of one word, and that's sin. Sin. Every bad thing that happens in this world is due to one thing, sin. We live in a fallen world. Hear what I'm saying. We live in a fallen world because of sin. And it doesn't matter who you are. At some point, death and sin and attack is coming to your doorstep. Watch this. The Bible says all of us at some point, it doesn't matter who you are. You can live for 50 years. At some point, death is coming to your door. Sometimes death comes suddenly. Sometimes death comes by a disease. Sometimes death comes by airplane falling out the sky. Sometimes death comes by a car accident. Death is coming for every last one of us. It doesn't matter what you do. What happens is we all die because of sin, not because of God. That's the first thing. The second question still remains, though, is why doesn't God just protect me from that? Why doesn't God just shield me from all of the pain and all of the things that occurred to me? And people have struggled with this. And I found I've been wrestling with it all week. The best answer to the question is to let God speak himself. So when you got your Bibles, look there in Job chapter 38. If you read the book of Job from Job chapter one and Job chapter two all the way to the end of the book, they spend the rest of the book arguing about why this happened to Job. All of his friends are trying to explain to Job why this happened. Job is trying to figure out what happened to me and why God allowed this to happen to me. And after all of them finished talking, in verse 38, chapter 38, the Lord begins to speak. And in 38, 39, 40, God is speaking back and forth to Job. But I just want to give you a little bit about what Job, what God says. His answer is simple to understand, but not easy to accept. In Job chapter 38, beginning at verse 1, Then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, Who is this who darkens counsel by words without knowledge? Now prepare yourself like a man. I will question you and you shall answer me. Watch verse 4. He says, Where were you when I laid the foundations of the earth? Tell me if you have understanding. Who determined its measurements? Surely you know. Or who stretched the line upon it? To what were its foundations fastened? How is the earth hovering there where it is and staying put exactly where it is and not getting off a of rotation? Explain that to me, Job. He said, or who laid its cornerstone? Verse eight. Or who shut in the sea with the doors when it burst forth and issue from the womb? When I made the cloud its garments and the thick darkness its swaddling band. When I fixed my limit for it and set bars and doors around it. Verse 11. When I said this far you may come, but no farther. And watch this, and hear your proud waves must stop. God said, uh, uh, where were you when I set the limitations of the oceans and, and how far you can go? And I told the waves, this is what you can do and what, what you can't do. Look at him. He says, he says in verse 16, have you entered the springs of the sea or have you walked in search of the depths? Verse 17, have the gates of death, been revealed to you? Or have you seen the doors of the shadow of death? Have you comprehended the breath of the earth? Tell me if you know all of this. You're sitting there asking me all of these questions and making all of these accusations against me, and you don't even know what's going on. Watch this. And sometimes the short answer of it is, is God is not always going to give you an explanation of why he does what he does. Amen. Amen. But you just got to learn to trust him. trust him. You know why? Because I believe God is asking Job these questions, because no matter what it is that he tells Job, Job still ain't going to understand. Right. Exactly. Amen. In other words, what he's saying is your mind is so finite, you can't understand an infinite God and the reasons why I do what I do. Right. Let, let, me, let me ask you a question. If God sat there and explained to you why he allowed whatever it is that he allowed, do you really think that's going to answer all your questions? What's the first thing you're going to do when God explains to you why he allowed it to happen or why why you couldn't do it another way? Why you couldn't do this? And God said, well, because if I do this here and I don't allow this here, this is going to affect this down years down the road. And all of these things are pieced together. Well, God, I still believe. You know what, man? I'm, I'm tired of sitting here arguing with you. My name is God. I don't have to sit here and argue with you at all. In other words, God says, I'm not getting in a back and forth with you. I'm God. And you have to distrust trust that what I allows, I have a reason for whatever it is that I'm doing. Amen. Now watch this. I struggle with this all week. God may not always give you the reason why he allowed that to come into your life, but he always does it for a purpose. Listen, I don't know who I'm speaking to. Whatever it is that God allow, whatever the tragedy, the chaos, whatever it is, everything that he allows, he does it for a reason. Most of you are familiar with the story of my son, TJ, and how catastrophic it was when he was born. He was born at 26 weeks. He went through a whole lot of different stuff. Most, everybody's pretty much aware of that. But what you may not be aware of is my son, Daniel. After TJ was born, not long after uh, he had come out of the hospital and so forth, my wife got pregnant again. And uh, we were so excited and so happy about that because, um, you know, we had been through TJ and, and he was starting to do well. And we were just so happy with, with what God was doing in, in his life. And so we got this new child coming and, and uh, we went through the period. What was it, 16 weeks, or 18 weeks? We found out what his is, uh, um, what he was going to be a male. And so we were like, oh, my God you know, praise God, and we named him Daniel, and we're just praying, and we made sure that my wife was being extra careful. She didn't do a whole lot of moving around and all this type of stuff, and everything seemed to be going fine until about, what was it, 18, 20 weeks. My wife knew something was wrong, and we ended up being rushed to the hospital, and we got there. Um, Young Daniel was born. He was born at 20 weeks, and, you know, when you're going through that I had had TJ born, so I'm in the hospital and I'm thinking, oh, okay, you know, all right, well, we, TJ got through it, so he's gonna make it through as well. You know, we'll just pray a little harder, we'll pray a little more on it. Daniel's gonna come out and he's gonna be fine. We may have some struggles and some hiccups, but TJ made it. But the, the hospital staff prepared us and said, you know, listen, I gotta be honest with you, at 20 weeks, his organs haven't developed enough for him to sustain life, and there's nothing that we can do. And I'm thinking to myself, but but, but God, you know, I mean, we say, but God, but but God is going to make a way this time. He's already made a way this time. And, and I'm praying in there, and I'm seeking God. I'm like, God, what's going to happen? And the baby comes out, and Daniel comes out, and I see him there, and he comes out with a loud roar. And he came out, and his arms were just flapping. He came out like he had a setup, you know, what I mean, like he had his little set and was was punching life and, and everything. And I watched him as his, he came out and his chest started kind of convulsing and going in. And, and uh, eventually his little arms and stuff, he, he couldn't keep up. And he, he eventually passed there in, in my wife's arms. And I got to be honest, when that thing happened, I mean, some of you have had it happen. No parent ever wants to hold their child in their hand. And when that thing happened, it, it devastated me. You know, I thought what happened with TJ was bad enough, but TJ survived. But when Daniel happened and he died... I didn't really know what to do. Like, I, I, I literally was perplexed. Like, I, I was overwhelmed. But I, God taught me some things to this. And I just want to share this with you quickly because I know we, we have to close. Some purposes of why God allows some of these things to happen. Number one, one of the purposes, I believe, is to draw you closer to him. Some of you are going through some stuff right now. Listen, and... and Have you ever known that unless you go through something, you you really don't know, you think, you know, but until you go through it, you you really don't know. I mean, when, when I went through that thing with Daniel, I thought I had a close relationship with God. But, you know, when he when he passed, that thing made me seek God like never been before because I wanted to know why. Why did you take my son? Why didn't you heal him? Why didn't you, why didn't you breathe breath into him? I know that things are limited, but God, you know, we say this all the time, but God, you're able. You can do anything. Why didn't you save my son? And that thing devastated me. But throughout all of that, God kept drawing me. You know, sometimes we pray and say, God, I want to be close to you. I want to know you more than ever. I want you to be first in my life. And God says, okay, fine, I'm going to let you do that. But I got to take some things away from you in order to draw you. Yeah, hallelujah. And some of us in here, God right now is drawing you, man. Amen. I mean, the stuff that you are going through, you would never know God the way you will when you get through it. Yes if you listen to Job in Job chapter 42 Job says that after all it was that he went through he said before I had only heard of you but now I see you now I know you and see I had to go through my own stuff to know God for myself sometimes you can you can walk on the faith of your parents and other people but at some point God says that's not enough I need you to know me amen And some of you, what you're going through, it's purposeful. God is saying, I'm drawing you to me. Some of you, you've been praying to God for stuff and he hadn't answered. And it's not that I've forgotten you. God says, I'm drawing you close to me because I want close relationship with you. And the only way you're going to get it is if you get close to me. The second thing that he taught me was. The second purpose was to build character in my life. Character is what you really are under pressure. Character is what you really are when everything around you is acting up and nobody sees you. You see, everybody says that I have faith in God and everybody says they sing the songs and we get up and we shout. But how many know you never know what you really believe until it's tested? Amen. Come on, yeah. Amen. And I thought... That I had faith, and I thought that I had faith because TJ came through. But God says, "What if I don't bring him through? Will you still believe in me?" Amen. Amen. He says, "If if I don't revive him, will you still remain faithful to me? If I don't bring him out, if I don't change the circumstances in your life, will you still serve?" Amen. That thing was so hard for me, man. But God revealed to me that character, true character, is developed through suffering. Paul says in Romans chapter 5. Thank you, John. He says in Romans chapter 5, Not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance or endurance. And endurance or perseverance produces character. So in other words, some of the things that you're going through right now, as you learn to persevere through it, as you learn to do and stick with God and do what God tells you to do in the midst of the storm, it develops your character. In other words, your character is developed when you learn to endure things that you don't like. Amen. Amen. Come on, Pastor. I remember when I was playing football in school. The coach used to have a drill that I hated. I I never understood it until I got older. Some of you will be familiar with it. He would put two cones down here, two cones down on that side. I hated this drill. The defensive player, which I was, used to have to lay on his back. On the other side, the offensive player would be like this. The ref, the coach would blow the whistle. When he blew the whistle, the quarterback would hand the ball off to the guy in between these cones. The defensive player would have to get off of, off of his back, turn around, find where the offensive guy is, and run and go get him and tackle him. Now, I hated this drill. You know why I hated this drill? Was because I had to get off of my back, find the guy. But by the time I got to the guy, he had been able to get a load of steam up. <laughs> and so he was able to come running almost full speed and lower his head. And if you anything like a true defensive player like I am... <laughs> Jahar ain't that true if you truly in the defense you don't like to get it you like to give it and I hated this drill because the running back would already be running at me full speed so by the time I got up the best I could do was take him and when I hit him he would end up sometimes kind of taking you and running you back watch this but what I didn't know was that it was shaping and developing my character see what it was teaching me was courage And what you need to be successful in football is you got to have courage. You know why? Because there's going to be times in games when the other opposing team is going to have a running back and he's running through that hole and he's powerful and he's going to be dropping that head on you. And the first time he dropped that head on you, what you going to do? Are you going to get scared? Oh, I'm I'm a ride or die. I'm a ride or die. You know, we listen to the music. We listen to the music before the game. Oh, I'm hype. I'm the man. I got this. I'm a, you know, boom, boom. Where TJ? They be doing all this. (laughs) But what I didn't know what he was doing was, was when you get in the game and that running back is running through and he hits you real hard and you take him back, that you still got to get up. And you gotta go tackle them again. And sometimes it may happen again, and you got to get up, but you're gonna gotta go tackle them again. And what God is trying to teach you in your situation is to build the character that you are able to get up and face whatever the running back is in your life. Come on, God. Come on, God. Listen, there is something coming in your life that God says you need this character for. Amen. And the only way you get it is you got to suffer through it and learn. Amen. Last thing is, is that whatever God allows fulfills his divine purpose. Yes. And his purpose is always good and best. The Bible says in Romans eight twenty eight, for we know that all things work together for good. Not always for your good, but for the good. God's ultimate plan, he uses everything that happens to us to fulfill his ultimate divine plan for our life. And in the end, it will work out for your good if you hold on and stick through it. Can I tell you something? Listen, tell you how good God is. Even in the midst of losing my son Daniel, which I didn't know how how I was going to make that. God did a miracle because we were able to find out after Daniel came, the doctors got a little curious and they started running tests on my wife to figure out why we kept having miscarriages and come to find out that it was something very, very simple that they needed to fix. Now, Agnes would probably know. I I forget exactly what it was, but but something was going on with the cervix or whatever it was And they needed to do a procedure called a circlage Whatever the thing the lining or whatever it was. was, Whatever it was weak. I'm I'm sorry, babe. Just just work with me (laughs) Whatever, I'm trying to clue Uh, There was there was a procedure where they put a stitch in the cervix or whatever it was and, And it kept the baby in there watch this and after they did the little stitch that's how we got Bam, this joker right here, who went full term, full terms, 40 weeks, and that's how we got him. So even in the midst of things that seem to be catastrophic, God still has a purpose and a plan that he's going to work it for your good. So don't don't give up. I, I know... You may not have a lot of thanks. You may not have a lot of praise in your life, but God ain't done with you yet. Amen. Can I tell you that? God ain't done with you yet. If you look, look, at, look at this goal, let me close with this. In the book of Job, when you get to the end of Job, I want you to see what God did for him. Mike, do I still have that? Look at what he did at the end of everything that he went through. Listen what God did for him. Job said, I've heard of you by the hearing, but now my eyes see you. I abhor myself. I repent in dust and ashes. Do I have the other one up there? I don't have it up there, Mike. I guess I don't, but let, let me just give this to you. If you got your Bibles, in, in Job, chapter 22, Job chapter 42, notice what God did. In Job 42 and 10, listen what God did. See, here's the thing. You're going through it, but God ain't done with you yet. In 42 verse 10, it says, And the Lord restored Job's losses when he prayed for his friends. Indeed, the Lord gave Job what? Twice as much as he had. See, and some of you are going through some stuff, and you think that's the end. You think that God is done with you. God ain't done with you. Watch this. And when you get through it, he's going to give you twice as much as you have. Come on, somebody. See, when you get through it, the anointing that's going to be on your life is going to be twice as much as it was. And God says, you got to hold on. Don't give up. Don't give up on your husband. Don't give up on your children. Don't give up on anything. God is a God that can restore everything that the devil took from you. Don't you give up on that house. Don't you give up on that car. Don't you give up. When you get through with what God has, you will find happiness. You're going to find love and you're going to find everything that God has for you. Amen. Amen.